This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How's the bet- getting better going? Um, it's it's coming along. I'm not. I've stopped forgetting names and words, but I still have. The only way I can describe it is a furry brain, and I still feel really tired. But definitely getting there, and I don't think I'm going to get long COVID, which I'm excited about. Well, that is good news. Mm. So we won't make jokes about you forgetting things this week. We shall make jokes about you being having a furry brain. <laughs> There's all sorts of connotations. Mawera the Muppet. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> the, the mad chef. What is, no, the Swedish chef. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? Do you know what, Sam? It is a real pleasure for me today to introduce Professor Jean Ross in all of life, we should have people who we look up to and respect. And for me, I'm always looking for women who make a difference and who are, they are the change. And Jean is one of those people. Jean's a professor of nursing and who specialises in rural health, which of course is dear to my heart. It is a real joy to have you with us today, Jean. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the invite, both of you. Welcome, Jean. We've asked you before, Jean, how your bubble life was, but how's your bubble life going? Well, now it's not a bubble life, it's a traffic light and a whatever else life. Whatever, alert systems and all the rest of it. Um, my, my bubble life is going okay. I haven't had COVID, touch wood, but I've been in isolation twice. Once over my birthday because I was in close contact with a student and once over Easter because my son had COVID. So I was a household contact. <laughs> <laughs> And you are busily doing research and busily doing teaching? I'm busily doing a lot of research, some teaching, and I'm really interested in the model of what I've been developing for a few years now called The Chase, um, and working alongside with both you and Moera on writing chapters for the book about the landscapes of rural health and the, and the chase model in action. So what is the chase model? Well, the Chase model came from work that um, my colleagues Josie Crawley, Laurie Mahoney and myself were working alongside with students on community projects with a number of students. And it was getting a little bit confusing for them, making sure students knew what they were doing in different phases of the well, it wasn't a model then, but of their project. And we were hanging on to all the information. So we got together and we develop something on the whiteboard and that became a pictorial or an image of what we were actually doing and we sat there and hummed and hard and 
called it the CHASE model, and it stands for Community Health Assessment Sustainable Education Model, CHASE. We had great fun doing that. And it is now being developed since 2017 when it was first published um, in your journal, I think it was, Learning and Teaching, um, Sam, in 2017. And over those years, there have been a number of iterations of how we have adapted it, not the overall philosophy of it, which is to guide for the purposes of now learners to undertake a community assessment, identify health needs, look at a sustainable uh, way of improving the health of that community and it is an education model but it uh, has had a number of iterations because we have learned a lot along the way and we've adapted it and changed it and this will be the main focus with the case studies that we have undertaken in the book that we are publishing next year. Guiding learners to undertake community health assessment why would you want them to do that? Is, is that that's part of their curriculum is it? Well, um, understanding populations, understanding people, understanding health is more than people who go to hospital. That is one small part of um, a person's journey within the health system. The majority of people live, work, breathe, play, you name it, within communities whether they be geographical, whether they be corrections, whether they be workplaces or schools, etc. And in people's homes, that's where people reside, live, experience their health, whether it's, it's, it's um, good health, whether it's chronic health, whether it's acute health, emergency health or health issues from ages of um, from when, when we have birth to death. And so therefore, Global nursing public health is extremely important if we are, as nurses, going to make a difference and improve the health of populations or aggregates, which are groups of people in the community. So understanding how a community functions, understanding how to assess a community, understanding how to analyse a community is of the utmost importance. And the thing is, I say to learners, is wherever you go, wherever you're going to have a job, you need to orientate yourself to that organisation, to where it is, and undertaking parts of the CHASE model helps them do that so they become the best practitioners that they can and can understand a community and make change. So is that useful for all nurses? I mean, some nurses will end up in those hospital situations and in theatres or on wards. Is it still useful for them? Mm -hmm. Ah, absolutely it is. You know, we're using the chase. Yes, we're using it as a geographical community. We also use it as an aggregate, for example, um, an aggregate of diabetes or an aggregate of, of children with disability. Um, but if you can assess and if you have the tools to assess, you can assess anywhere. And by assessing, you are building up best evidence, best arguments when you take your ideas to whoever you want to take them to, whether in the hospital, whether in a community, whether it's rural, urban or to an organisation. They are tools that are essential for nursing, for nurses and for nurse learners. So we've been going through COVID for the last couple of years. How has that affected the the Chase programme? Um, well, what has happened is 
because we um, are adaptable and flexible, in 2020, 2020, we had to adjust our curriculum because we were all in lockdown from March until July. The hospital DHBs um, did not want um, learners to have clinical experience during that time because of keeping people in hospital safe and so forth. Um, and so I at that time was the programme um, year three program leader and between myself and our team we said well how can we best utilize this time for learners and we said well why don't we put the majority of these learners through a community development project which they were going to do in any case but later in the year all at once and we did and we luckily enough we had a good relationship with the director of nursing on the west coast um, Brittany Jenkins and I rang her up and I said, would it be possible for us to undertake a community um, project of the whole of the West Coast from, from the top to the bottom, <laughs> from Karamea to Hast, um, with 33 nurse learners? And she said, yes, the only thing is I would really like you to go through one person when you're asking questions of the communities, just so we can keep things um, safe. And so we did that. And myself and two other colleagues, we divided the students up into nine groups and we worked actually, firstly, virtually. So we weren't able to go up to the West Coast. So we developed a new model of being virtual. So we used the technologies. We did use Teams and we nar 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 narrowed that down. So we were expert. But then we also, because everybody was in their own bubbles, we worked Virtually, virtually, I call it. So we were own, we were virtual to the geographical location, but we were all virtual in our own bubbles at home. It was a big learning curve and we managed it. We did very well to look after the community, assess the community of the whole of the West Coast with this model and come up with an array of different identified health needs literature searches on evidence to gather evidence and developing health promotion messages and resources, which we then sent over to the West Coast um, and have undertaken an impact assessment to see if any of those have made a difference. So after we've played some music, we'll talk through the process of actually doing it because by chance, well, not chance, by total organisation, you have just finished doing this year's one, one of these this year's Chase um, projects, in Fakatani with Mawira. But first, let's have some music. Let's have Land of My Fathers in Welsh, Henrad Finn Hadai. Why this one? Well, I am from Wales. My Henvide and Hadai is what is in our souls. The land of my fathers brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> and so I can't talk to it. It can talk about itself. It is in Welsh. But it is about the land of our fathers. It is, as I think, a grounding in land, in, in my homeland, in my roots and my culture.
is the Karis Matthews version, but I'm sure you could imagine a rugby choir singing the same thing full gusto. So as I said before the break, you have this year, you've used the Chase model in Fakatani. How did that come about? Um, well, uh, through introductions through yourself, Sam, with Mawera and our conversations about Mawera's interest in um, being part of the um, the book that we are publishing next year in relation to Chase and the case studies that we are including in that. I had discussed with Moera last year, would she be interested in the students or the learners, um, you know, uh, undertaking a community project in, um, in 2022? Because I knew it would be an excellent project. It would be a different project, again, a virtual project. Um, but one very much, um, you know, uh, focused on our indigenous population in, in New Zealand. Uh, and um, the thing was, I had to uh, do a quick phone call. And Moera was obliging. We were supposed to be um, working with Bishop's Castle in rural Shropshire in February. But because of COVID and the whole medieval village um, having COVID and our, 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 our stakeholder our core team member having had co- having COVID himself, but also having dislocated his ankle, he was not in a good space. So he says, can't do it. So I quickly thought, ha ha, Moera, one phone call. Yes, she said, no problem. Come on up, come on up, if we could virtually. So that's how this happened. So Moera, how did it, once you got past that phone call, what, what happened next? Um, then it was just a matter of um, coordinating times and diaries and uh, I got the opportunity to meet with all of the learners who were involved in the project um, and they just started firing questions. So we had a few group sessions, um, lots of um, 
messages uh, kind of we we worked out messenger was going to be the best way to get me because that's my most responsive communication um so they sent me messages on messenger uh, from each of the different groups so i might get a message asking a question about this area or that area of health and um what blew me away was the depth of interest and the the depth of the questions like these guys actually give a damn it wasn't just an assignment. You could see there was a real genuine empathy and a, and a genuine wanting to make a difference for this community that has suffered and suffered and suffered some more. And I really appreciated it, um, so much so that uh, I've actually just now sent a message a few minutes ago to uh, Penny Henare, who is the Minister for Māori Health, I'm asking him for the best address for him and I'll send him a copy of the report because I think, you know, like with these new Māori health authorities that are being established um, in places like Whakatane where rural health is such an issue, um, this is going to give him an insight that I don't think he's going to get from any other report that lands on his desk, actually, because yeah. there, because there's so much... There's so much care gone into it. It's more than just a job. This is the empathy of those uh, those training nurses in action. And I really loved that. So, Mawera, um, this, uh, the CHASE model is part of clinical practice of those learners. Um, mm. So it's not theoretical, although it's based on theory, but it is theory in practice. So it's the CHASE model in action. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, it is part of their clinical, it's part of their community practice, but they are not only are they assessing and they're, um, they're thinking critically, they are also building up the tools that they have been given, i.e. how to undertake an assessment, um, yes, of a, of a client, but, they, but you were our client, the community was our client. And so there are different assessment frameworks and models in which to guide them to do that. And so, therefore, they can come up with um, an assessment of identified health needs, which they came back to you with, didn't they? Mm, they do, did. you, do you agree with these? Yes, and, and that's what I really loved. And, and, it was, and that's what I could see. I could see where the empathy was. There was so much care um, in, in the recommendations. There was so much care in the questions they asked. And they, do you know what? What I really loved about it was, it was a really mana enhancing process that was incredibly respectful of this community. There was, you know, there are a lot of things in this community that we could all point to and go, it's their fault that that's happening to them and all the rest of it. But there was none of that. It was a, there was no judgment. There was just real care for the people in this community. We nice. need more of that. Thank you. So, Moira, there were different groups you were working with did they all start with from the same sort of set of questions um yes they did because uh they well they started they started as one big they started as the whole group the whole cohort uh and um each you could i could tell from the first day that they were broken up into different subgroups um uh, because of the way the questions were but everybody was there for the bulk of the questions so they all got that proper introduction and then as they went away to do their own research, then I would start getting questions from all the different subgroups. And then they came back together as a group two more times. I saw them as a whole group. So how did the different groups diverge and focus in on the different things that they wanted to, to consider and address? And do you mean how were they split? Yeah, well, if they, start, no, if they started with the same questions 
how come they didn't all end up with the same answers? How, how, how did, what was the sort of the process of them going off in those exploring different spaces? Oh, that you would have to ask Jean. I don't know because I wasn't involved in that process. Jean? Okay. Yes. So um, as they undertake a community profile, then a health needs analysis, uh, health needs, and then they come up with asking some questions to Mawera. That's in the first week. Then when after that meeting with you, Mawera, um, they then do a SWOT analysis. So strengths, opportunities, weaknesses and threats. And it's from that it's from that SWOT analysis that they then are able to indicate where the health needs are. So the, the health needs were there could have been three or four, but we narrowed it down to two. One of those was in relation to the LGBTQ plus community, the young people. Um, and then the other one was about um, obesity, uh, lack of physical exercise, and they landed on diabetes type 2. And then what happened is I just say to them, who wants to be in which group? They make a decision. That's how they come to two different groups. And then that's when Mary Mawera was getting bombarded with more questions that were different questions. And happily so. So what sort of resources did they produce or what, how did they address those things? They, they actually produced a lot of really thoughtful ideas on how to address the, the issues, but not limited to the, to those particular areas, but just overall. They, had, they got a really solid feel for the needs of the community. Things that I think about all the time, they came up with. And, uh, but also um, things that I hadn't given consideration to. They produced some resources around growing a, a planting calendar. Um, so, you know, what grows, when When do you plant it, when can you harvest it, that kind of thing. Um, some really cool uh, positive affirmation kind of resources for the LGBT community. Uh, and um, but it was just, you could see that a lot of thought had gone into the audience. Who was the audience and how would, how would this actually be used by them? How could it be useful? And actually... Too often, I think resources are made without any thought to how things will be useful. But these are useful things, which means they would actually they have more meaning just for the usefulness. So just um, just to um, add to that, Moera, um, the the planting calendar or the planting calendar, which is a magnet, which can go on anything or it can just go on the wall. Um, is large enough that it takes it into the seasons. It looks at what can be planted at a certain time in Maori and English. Yeah. And the thing is, the whole idea of that was thinking about health, thinking about diabetes type two, thinking about the cost of fresh fruit and vegetables, because, of course, they'd researched all this. They knew this information. They knew there was lack of um, or limited fresh fruit and vegetables. But if you can grow your own, it it it. It is cost effective. It's this, it's that, it's the other. And then they produce. So they thought that that would be beneficial to the community as an educational resource for 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 people. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more in each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique 
and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, it's been a bit of a white knuckle ride for the last more than two and a half years almost dealing with this global pandemic together. And we've all done so extremely well and I think we should all feel just incredibly proud of ourselves and each other and approach each moment of each day as an opportunity to share the love and respect that we feel for ourselves and one another and our beautiful paradise planet. I know for myself, it's been such a time of learning and growth and I'm so grateful, of course, to be part of this show. So a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team and to all of you for having me. I'm just so grateful. And being part of the show has helped me immeasurably in this time to really recalibrate and reorganize and refocus my thoughts, feelings, emotions, comments, states of being into what I hope can be a creative and helpful offering to you all. I know that for myself, we now are returning to a state of being which is somewhat familiar. We're able to return to working together in ways that are familiar to us. And for me, that means having lots and lots of beautiful, beautiful people come and interact with me at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, my heart's home and beyond. And I'm just absolutely loving this, of course. It's been my way of being really since 2005 and so having this period of time not being able to interact with people to the same degree has been quite hard for me. So yes, I had a wonderful day today with 278 beautiful students from Anderson's Bay School and all their teachers and teacher aides. I was super duper grateful for that and they're going to be coming to visit me and all the beautiful life forms at Orokanoi over the next several days so we're really really excited about that. And of course, in doing this work, I'm just constantly reminded that we are all perfect, unique, beautiful beings. We are all miraculous. We are all so capable and so inspiring, so fascinating in our diversity and in our commonality. I really love, of course, the great privilege and pleasure that it is to work with the newly arrived on this planet whether that's the child within or whether that is those more recently born onto the planet, the young of this universe. And having that opportunity, of course, I'm always just blown away with the creativity, with the insight that comes my way. And I loved today with the students really opening the floor to their questions, comments, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and it was just beautiful to hear what they chose to share. Something that I'm really grateful for, of course, is that as a species, notions of love and compassion and care and nurturance always appeal to us and we always understand them, whoever we are and wherever we have come from. And this unites us, of course. So a great reminder for me really to evoke and encourage all these new ideas of ways to care for and support life that surrounds us. Of course, it's only 30 years that we've had Fence Sanctuary technology in New Zealand. And if it wasn't for all of the teachers and all of the encouragers and inspirers in the life of those who develop the Fence Sanctuary technology collaboratively as a dream team, you know, we wouldn't have this technology today. And I'm so grateful for our ability to inspire and support and collaborate with one another. So I really hope for you 
you'll have an opportunity to feel a sense of return and reunion with the ways of being that you love. And even in navigating new ways of being, I hope that there are parts of you that are really nourished by this. And I'll look forward to talking soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Jean Ross. But I've got a question for Mawera. Mawera, we've talked quite a lot about all the things that have happened to Fakatani over the last few years. And of course, it's not just the last few years, it's the last few centuries. How, and, but we've also talked about needing to move beyond deficit models. Yeah. How do you see this chase model as, as being a step in that right direction? Well, because it because the chase model is all about how do we address things head on in a really affirming way, but it's also about prevention, and that that's the thing. You know, when you start talking to people about, you know, hey, did you know that if you plant some corn seedlings now, they're going to be ready in seventy days. You'll be having fresh corn in your garden instead of you know worrying about you know having to to pay for it, and that money that you're spending on that could be you know better spent on other things. When we start actually thinking about do you know this is a thing you and I talk about all the time Sam it's about looking into the future and, and growing a vegetable garden as a, as a step towards that actually being able to vision a future for yourself and if you can vision 70 days into the future when that corn's going to be ready then you think about well, where, where am I going to be in 70 days how do I want to be in 70 days and it's the beginning of planting those seeds which are really tricky with adults it's really hard to get adults to make um, that permanent change in their lives but as soon as our kids see their parents plant corn that's ready in 70 days then they know how to do the same thing you know it's so it's um I think that what I really like about it is it's full of prevention and intervention and positive things to look forward to and that's I think what makes it different than just being yet another ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and Moera related to that population so yeah. it's not a model that has come from somebody else from the other side of the world. It is absolutely grassroots, developed, designed purposely for that population in their space and place. It's about us mm-hmm. and the challenges that we live with every day in this community. Flipping that question around so I can ask it of Jean. Jean, we talk about the theme of this show being positive but not deluded. How do you see the chase model in terms of being positive but not deluded? Well, it's, as I just said, it comes from grassroots. It was developed for a reason. It was practical, adaptable, and we have further adapted it over the years. Um, it's We've demonstrated works. We've demonstrated that in the chase model itself, there are nine phases. That's grown over the years from six to nine. As we are advancing, it demonstrates um, a pre-engagement phase with the community. Like, for example, I had a conversation with Moera last year. So it's setting seeds again, seeds of, well, this is what's something we can do. It's myself as a registered nurse and academic taking a lead role in it at certain times. And then it's the students or learners come in and in the way the model is developed, it is that um, it has got two two lines. One of them is a, is a dotted line. One of them is a solid line. The um, Myself, I'm the dotted line. I start before the students do and I end before the students do. Oh, and I end after the students, sorry. And the students come in and all of a sudden after phase one and two, they take more responsibility and control of the assessment 
the development of resources, understanding the community. And then all of a sudden, when we get to phase six, then the students have completed their part of their clinical practice in this community and their line goes below my line and my line comes up and it's my responsibility to continue this relationship with the stakeholders and see what the impact it has been, if any at all, about the health reducing health disparities. We started talking just before about colonisation. How do we avoid the chase model being a, a colonizing force that you know there's, there's these students come in from outside do something and go away how are we empowering the community and, and making the the community or making sure that the community has that control we do have ethical approval um to undertake this so that's gone through um, a category b not a category a the difference being category a is you can go and interview people and record what they're saying whereas category category b is you can have a conversation with professionals from the community for example mawera as a stakeholder so you we the students could not talk to the general population like the lgbtq plus community but the people around them surrounding them we also, in our ethical approval, have what in Otago Polytechnic is a Kaituhutu um, Maori ethical approval process, which we go through. So the students are guided as, um, as part of their learning experience within the Bachelor of Nursing to be responsive, be respectful um, and, and be focused on tetuti and also... Gaining ethical approval from the KTO office, the Kaitukutuga office, is there are four main questions that the students are alluded to or alerted to in relation to Maori, in relation to will this project make a difference? How will it make a difference? Does anybody identify in the learners as Maori? And they need to be aware of that right at the beginning in week one. And then they re-answer those questions in week four as exactly the same questions. Did it make a difference? And how are you as learners, including New Zealand, um, Aotearoa's focus on Indigenous and focus on the treaty and focus on your competencies as a registered nurse to be aware of difference. And so I believe we are very focused and we're very lucky to be working with people like Scott Klenner uh, from Otago Polytechnic who guides this and Mariana Rapati-Hanning. We're talking about the colonizing and decolonizing and of course in our context that mostly applies to maori populations but i think you see that that decolonizing marginalized space applies to rural because it's not because is it the same kind of logic when you're working with a rural community in on the welsh borders i would say yes we need to be aware of um, difference, access, culture, which I do believe in rural areas around the world, including New Zealand and Wales, there is a common theme between them. And that is about isolation, access of healthcare, which results in limited accessibility of health professionals in those communities, which reduces health services, which increases health disparity. And transportation, having to go and access healthcare yourself, moving over borders, moving over boundaries. And I would say then everything isn't the same, but there is a common 
understanding in relation to healthcare in rural areas around the world. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Marlon Williams, Make Way for Love. Why are we making way for this one? We're making way for this one because um, I just believe Marlon Williams has got the most beautiful voice. It, te- it speaks to me, his music, but his, his lyrics speak to me. This one in particular is Marlon singing alongside with the Maori um, choir, and it is just beautiful. And I think it, is, it fits in very nicely to what we're talking about, about community. We're talking about um, rootedness. We're talking about land. We're talking about culture. We're talking about people. We're talking about decolonization. And I just appreciate where Marlon comes from. Make way for And your 
see people motivated to do these extraordinary things every day on the show. And gosh, it's been a real joy, you know, nearly coming up 400 episodes now. And the thing that I always want to know is why? What what happened in your life or what inspires this amazing thing you do that makes you the change? Um, well, of course, I have been interviewed by Sam many, many years ago and he asked me the same question. And so, you know, um, it hasn't changed. It brings it brings emotion to me. It's my culture. And it was my father who was a change agent who he and I would sit up till two o'clock in the morning talking about politics, talking about things. And, um, you know, it's still there. So I think when you've been brought up with a value system about people and about change, and you can do things differently, then it's it's my it's my go to place. It's my it's me. And I hate injustice and I want equality. And of course, I'm a Welsh Celt who has seen a lot of um, inequality as a nurse both trained in Wales, but also um, as a charge nurse. And I made significant change with what was um, our little district general hospital in uh, in the edge of Bangor, North Wales, um, where we had numerous people from right from the Flynn Peninsula, right down the bottom where Welsh was their first language. And they came to us and my ward was the haematology ward. So a ward where you are diagnosed at eight o'clock at night, and you stay with us until you die. Not you do go home, <laughs> but you keep coming back. And we built up this beautiful relationship with our patients and their families. Um, and I made, I know I made a difference. And from that, I have just kept always wanting to make a difference. And this is why I love this work. It's funny when I listen to people talking about the difference they make, relationship is always a word that appears somewhere in there. Is that, the, is that really the key? It seems to me to be the key. Well, it is. It's a. It's about relationships, but you can't make change until you develop relationships, till you develop trust in respect, and you demonstrate your own integrity. And people can say, "I depend." I not I depend, but I can rely on that person. I know that person will see this through. Yeah. Um. And I think we've we along the over the years have made a lot of difference and change, or even just stimulated people's thinking in another way. Yeah. Jean, do you think that? You can teach that mindset to others. Like, are people drawn to nursing because they have that mindset? Or is it a thing that you have to teach as well? No, I don't think it's something you can teach, but you can demonstrate. So I teach in the year three. I teach about um, evidence-based practice. And what's the point in evidence-based practice if you don't make change? So then the next part of that is change. By making change, you have to be a leader. Everybody's a leader, not all the time. But at certain times, and I teach that and I demonstrate and I give examples. And just this group this year has said, I say, you know, it's really good because you have to decide on a topic that you're going to work alongside. And, you know, you, it's interesting if you're passionate about it, if you're interested in it and you can make a difference and you're going to work on that all year. And in the end, you can go to your interview with the best evidence in relation to your topic and um make a difference. So let's understand your topic, your interest, 
best evidence, change, recommendation, leadership. Okay, and I teach and I teach all that. I demonstrate all that. But the thing is, I go, you know, it's really important to have a stake in the ground. And one student, and this has not happened before, one student out of 101 said, how do you find your stake and put it in the ground? And I say, it is a passion that you have. And it's really important in your life that you do have a passion. You put the stake in the ground. And if you don't go in the front door every time, don't give up. Go in the back door. When the back door gets shut, go in through the window. But never give up on what you believe and you've got the evidence that can make change. So it's not something I can teach, but I can teach the concepts around it, around a passion, around the stake in the ground, which hopefully they can actually see and are enlightened themselves over the year when I'm with them. So that the the first thing I say to the year threes, there is nothing in year three that I'm going to ask you to do that doesn't have relevance to you as a practitioner as you move forward. One of the things we talk about quite a lot on the show is the um, the importance of people learning to look into a future. Um, and if our kids learn to look into the future, then there's something for their learning to stick to. They've got aspiration. Mm-hmm. Do you think that passion um, is is something that that learning can stick to um, alongside goal setting or instead of? Is passion enough? Um. No, passion isn't passion isn't enough by itself. We need all these other tools in which to direct passion, commitment. And also when, you know, when you get kicked down, when the door gets slammed in your face, there needs to be somebody there to say, okay, that's happened. Let's take five. Let's see how we can move this forward. So there always there's that relationship again, Moera. There's always relationships. And we don't know who those people are, but we don't walk alone. Does that does the chase model is that the tool for directing the passion? My passion, yes. About students. Pa- uh, no, I don't think it's about directing their passion because this is their clinical practice. They start off with a blank sheet of paper. Hi, Fakatani, blank sheet of paper. We have guided them through the chase model on different aspects that's going to happen through the phases over the four weeks that they're engaged with this and engaged with each other as, as a team. But they, at the end, hopefully have learned something through the process of starting with a blank piece of paper, gathering information, gathering data, analysing the data, having conversations with people like Mawera, respecting going back and then finding out, yes, these are the health needs. Mawera says yes. Then they start to think, ah, we're getting somewhere here. And then I think when we get to the creative part of it, which is about phase five, which is now we want you've got this information. How are you going to make a difference? What's your health promotion message? What's the resource you're going to develop? We're now calling that the the students are designing, they're co-designing, they're creating something that's going to make a difference. And I think Meoera actually said to us that it wasn't just anything that the, the resources, that was thoughtful. It was empathetic. It was directed purposely at that community. That's what I useful, think. Useful. useful tools. And that's what I think gets them because they've delivered on something that they have been creative in designing. And I think we also need to expand the the things that we're valuing beyond that resources that they're producing to the process and the report that they produce. Mawira's told us she wants to send the report that the students have written to the Minister of Health. So the students have gone a long way in a few weeks yep, yep. from 
presumably not knowing anything about that particular area, to having a, a, a useful product, not just the not just that designed resource, but the the process and the other outcomes from it are demonstrably useful. Yes, um, absolutely, Sam. And that's why we developed the actual chase model. So we could have something as an image that students could see, oh, I'm in this phase now, this is what this phase means, I'm in this one, rather than just relying on us by saying, don't worry, we, 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 you can depend on us, we will take you through all the different aspects as, which is required. So I think it is, it is, it is, it is useful, it's an image, um, as well as them being able to produce, yes, at the end, a written report, but actually they're writing that report right from day one. When they start doing their community profile and assessment, they, they are utilising other frameworks to gather that information. And in doing so, they've started to write their, their um, report up. So the report ends up um, it's a really good, solid evidence-based information about the community, about the identified health needs, demonstrated by the SWOT analysis, how they got to that, win consultation with the stakeholder, and then they come up and taking the best evidence, they write it up, and then they develop the health promotion resource. So we're using different frameworks. We're using Anderson and McFarland Communities Partner Wheel. We've adapted that as well now. We've in, we're including the Ottawa Charter. We're including um, research um, process. Um, and then we're using um, how to how to go about designing and what that's mean. And then we have an impact assessment that we do um, three to six months later. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to ask the usual outro questions, but I have got a question for both of you, which is twofold. One of them is what's next? And the other one is, do you have any advice like for each other? Moira, do you want to go first? Okay. Um, so what's next? Uh, we have, we're going to have a really topsy-turvy year this year politically in our local community because I'm pretty sure that we won't have um, – health boards anymore. And we're now having established um, our, our Māori Health Authority, which will be which will be based here in Whakatane. So I see an enormous amount of change coming in this community. Um, the government has just uh, released a notification to say that there's um, going to be, I think it's something like $6 million available for uh, applications for research bids to have a look at the impact of COVID on the community. And so the, the, we're going to be actually digging deep into... Um, into the problems that are happening here and it is because of things like this report that has been generated by these incredible nurses um, we, we have an insight that we probably might not have had so for me next step is I've sent a message off to Penny Henare who I know um, who is the Minister for Māori Health and I'm going to make sure that this report is in front of him and he's going to see it because I don't think he will have anything like as comprehensive insight into this community um, than what he will get from that report. So that's my next steps there. Um, my, uh, Have I got advice for Jean? Don't ever stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> it matters so much. And um, and I just feel so much gratitude um, that you chose to look at this poor community that has just been smashed over and over and over again. And do you know what? We needed someone to care about us and you did. Oh, so thank, thank you. you. You're a, um, well, I'll add with that. Well, <clears throat> Noera, thank you. And thank you for opening your arms to us because it is time consuming uh, for the learners and to be there for them and answer their questions over a short period of time. And I would say thank you very much for opening your arms to us 
giving us that space and listening to us. And actually, you know, you've now given affirmation to me on the work that I'm doing with these learners. And I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Because, you know, we go ahead and we do this. We work tirelessly and, and hard. And it is lovely to have that affirmation. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Where to from here, Sam? Um, I What I want more than anything is for us to complete this book, um, this international book, and celebrate, hopefully, the launch of it in at the Royal Geographical Society, September 2023, if possible. That's what I would like with that. And from that, I would like us to um, develop a, and I've called it the Grace Centre, um, Global Rural I can't remember what it's called, but it's the Grace Centre at Otago Polytechnic, which probably would be through Te Pukinga, but I would like a, an international global centre to come together um, for community development and community education. At the present minute, um, I'm working with uh, Latrobe Rural Health School, um, and we've got some funding and we'd, we're actually putting together what's called the Chase Learning Platform. Firstly, it's for learners. Secondly, it's for community people. So they are empowered to go ahead and undertake community development themselves with a, an external facilitator. And that's what I really want to do when we are completing all this work, Sam, um, and carrying on. Hopefully, Te Pukinga Bachelor of Nursing Curriculum will accept community development for third-year learners as part of their new curriculum. Thank you for that. I have resisted going out to a day trip to Bangor. Let's go out to Willenbow and Reese, Ben Reese. Ben Reese, tu i acroin lor ofyn Ac yn cymro clan o dan fy'n rhagen fyddyr Hyn o borgrig y pwll sydd yng nghanol fy nghwm a grwy'n nafu yn y fac ddi byth a beunydd Ger rwy'n nafu hyd yn y ddia hi gael bara ar y bwrdd Yn llafurio am oriad a nesioria yn y ffwrdd Ger rwy'n gweithio dan gael edwch Ac yn chwysyn y tywyllwch Ond i ennill ma'n diniogiag neu dylenswyr tad a gwr Gwawr gan o'l har o'n disgyn i'r pwll A'r seithder yn y myriau'n cae amdanaw O dan brynau brai a'r gan wyll yn noeth Rwy'n gadal goladydd am y trolan Ie, rwy'n gadal goladydd yn ddyn i'w wedi fy ffawd A'r diffi gair yn llethol ac yn gwasgiad yn nawr Ie'r rwy'n mygu yn enwion, y myddarol sŵn mor ddwylion, curiad caib a chiriad calon yn cyflymu yn fy mrawd. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai in Fakatani and at Tiger Polytechnic in Dunedin, we've been joined by Jean Ross. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty Wah.
Sen lor av vin Hacken gömmer och klan Och den vän hacken vid dyr En urtsada braut Din och bettuar med en bed Är beden in och rika en sydarakor Jem är beden in och rika en sydarakor Den vän hon Är gweddwon en galarik Dai plantin vid londrum Dan o'r mestraid yn meistri Ond i lenni ei pocedir Sydd yn dian crac hyfiawnder Anghyfiawnder i'r ddydd This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.